Welcome to MediaPost's Brand Insider. I'm your host, Steve Smith, Editorial Director of Events here at MediaPost. Each week, we interview marketing leaders from companies old and new about how they build and evolve their brands on an unpredictable media and culture terrain. In addition to this full audio interview in podcast form, we also publish a companion newsletter with highlights from the Q&A. MediaPost has been covering marketing and media news for over 20 years. You can find the Brand Insider Weekly as well as our daily coverage at MediaPost.com. But now, let's get into it. It's a good thing I'm a non-drinker because I have no idea how I would navigate this emerging world of connoisseur and craft brands flooding the spirits market. That is, without becoming a souse myself. Nevertheless, I do imbibe brand building all day. And this segment poses a significant challenge to any company trying to break through the clutter, the claims of heritage and classical roots, the slow motion video of amber liquid cascading through casks. I was intrigued, though, by the Santa Teresa 1796 rum pitch, however. The tagline for this 228-year-old Venezuelan brand is Great Rum, Greater Purpose, which seems to set a higher bar for meaningful branding than most. Baked into its basic branding campaign is its own Project Alcatraz, a 20-year-old program to recruit and rehabilitate criminal gang members. This is not just a cause that a brand signed on to. It was grounded in the company's own experience with gang-related crime, a holdup of one of their security guards in 2003. Since then, the project claims to have reformed over 400 lives using the sport of rugby and penitentiary outreach as tools. To discuss both the art of brand building in a crowded space, as well as the role of mission in branding, is CEO Alberto Vollmer. Alberto has been CEO at the company for over 25 years, and he founded Project Alcatraz 20 years ago. He's also a fifth-generation distiller, and he joins us today from Venezuela. Alberto, hello. Opportunity. Uh, why don't you say that again? I think we didn't pick you up. Uh, oh, okay. How about now? Do you hear me well now? Got you now. Yep. Okay. No, I, thank you. Steve, hi. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me on this program. And uh, it's a real privilege. Let's talk about the Santa Teresa brand. Um, it's a cluttered brand market, especially in rum, in spirits of all kinds. So tell us about the brand, what the key brand differentiators, and how you come to market in a different way. Right. So our, our key brand differentiators uh, for Santa Teresa, and it is true, it is a cluttered market. Uh, the first thing, of course, is you know we're we're triple aged rum. Uh, we have three different stages of aging in, in Santa Teresa 1796. Um, it's also uh, a, a uh, the most awarded rum brand in the world right now. We've got over 50 uh, gold medals around the world. And we are, uh, you know, when you, you compare it to other rums, we basically, we, we only have three grams of sugar, or less than three grams of sugar per bottle when you compare to others that are some, somewhere between 15 and 50 grams of sugar per bottle. So that, I'd say those are the three big differentiators. And the other thing is that when we started with this campaign, the idea is to, we, we believe the age of rum is finally, or has finally arrived, and especially in the U.S. market. But then there's a, a one <clears throat> very, initially it starts, it starts sort of silently, but it's uh, our, the purpose where, where we drive, you know, basically it's the, the brand that helps us drive or pursue this this purpose of transformation of uh, gang members that that started with gangs and then it took us to prisons and and basically it's to to give these individuals to go from being outlaws to citizens and to actually be 
be individuals that add value to the community initially through producing rum, then some of them have become brand ambassadors and they they basically tell their story and the story of the brand around the world. So th those would be the, the, the key points. I want to get into Project Alcatraz and this part of it. First though, let's get some basics about the brand footprint um, and how yes. long you've been in the, in the US market and who your demo and target is. So let, let's start with what's the general footprint and how long have you been in the US market in particular? So um, we've been we introduced the brand uh, in the U.S. market. I think there've been there've been several stages um, with the company, but I would say that seriously we entered the the U.S. market for the first time in the I'd say mid or end of the nineties, around nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine, mm -hmm. um, and there we still didn't really have our strategy. Uh, you know, we didn't have all the clarity we wanted for the strategy. Mm -hmm. We were focusing on on let's say cheaper a cheaper segment, um, where of course the the rum category still wasn't developing. Uh, we did introduce Santa Teresa 1796, but I would say with a timid um, approach. And then um, in uh, uh, from uh, two, actually, I would say that around the around 2015, we started realizing that where we had to make the bet was on super premium, basically anything above $30, $40. And then uh, when we reached our uh, international distribution alliance with Bacardi in 2017, there we sort of doubled down on the focus on, on that price segment, basically super premium around $50 or yeah, let's say above $45 and up. And and there we we have stayed very focused on developing that segment and develop and building the brand around those the 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 differentiators that we that I uh, pointed out at the beginning of the interview. Is there a, a particular demographic, male, female, young, old, that's embraced rum? Yeah, we've we've basically been uh, focusing on on uh, Hispanic Hispanic uh, uh, backgrounds in the USA and you know, U.S. Hispanics, um, basically because they are very active on social media, mm -hmm. um, and and of course, uh, I'd say around um, around their thirties, between their thirties and forties, um, people that are uh, I'd say um, cultivated and and have have the international have an international outlook. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that's more or less the the demographics. But you know the uh, the Santa Teresa uh, brand had been in existence for hundreds of years before you uh, embraced the uh, Great Rum Greater Purpose mission. Um, and I'm curious about the chronology. Now we mentioned that the Project Alcatraz. Um, project happened started 20 years ago. I'm curious about the chronology between when that project happened and when you decided that this was not just going to be a charitable project on the part of the brand, but actually very well integrated into the brand where it's actually part of your tagline now. You know, Steve, um, back in 2002, well, 2003 to 2000, I'd say 2005, 2006, um, we, we needed to spend a lot of time to basically tackle this, we, we were sort of like in the epicenter of crime in Venezuela, which at the time was the most dangerous country in the world, probably, uh, based on statistics, we had huge homicide rates. Hmm. And for us, it was um, 
you know, tackle tackle this situation or or disappear. And we were in a in in the midst of political turmoil also. And we so we get we 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 were assaulted. The company was assaulted um, at this certain at this juncture in 2003. And of course, you couldn't go to the police. The police was totally corrupt. Uh, and and when so the whole question for us was how do we solve this situation? Anyway, we solve it by basically recruiting the gang and giving them an option to basically pay for their faults with with work. Um, and then this, of course, spirals because then it, we become very attractive to other gangs that come not not searching to assault us, but to find opportunities. And there we sort of realized that we struck a we struck a nerve. And and then we, this took a lot of time from from me and from members of my team. The board started saying, so how much time should we be employing on this? How much time is the CEO spending on this project? I remember at the time it was at least 50% of my time. Um, and, and of course, you're struggling for survival at the time. And then as we're doing this, we, you know, when we started having this, this discussion at the board level, one day we realized, so what are we here for? You know, what are, and when you ask that question, why are you here for? And you're talking about the country and you're talking about the, the company, you're talking about the shareholders. And the whole thing was, Basically, it has to do with making a difference. And the I would say that this is when we started to really value the fact that you have an, or, an organization, you have a company, you have a brand that can make a big difference in the community. And of course, as you as you make a bigger footprint in that community, that can actually spread further. And that took us then to prisons, took us all around. And finally, at the board level, we realized this was a huge um strategic differentiator that the company had and because by this time we were so we we have um in the community over 200 sorry 2500 members that that uh participate in the programs and now we're in in about well 37 prisons around the country um where we have another thousand uh members that participate and every single one of these criminals that you can actually uh convince them to to be successful through values and not through short term um, violence, uh, you you actually have an amazing impact because it's not the it's not only the criminal it's the criminal plus his family, and and as so today the founder of Project Alcatraz who entered here with you know guns blazing um, he is now a a career uh, rugby coach. He has 17 rugby coaches that report to him that go to jails on a weekly basis who are making an amazing impact and difference in not only in the local community, but in the different. Because the other thing that we realized that is that each one of these jails is basically a hub of violent leaders of all the slums of Venezuela. Mm -hmm. And if you can have an impact and you can influence those criminal leaders that then go out with a different thought and where violence is basically not productive, it does not pay, um, you're, you know, as a brand, you're having huge impact. And anyway, the, the board initially challenged this idea, but as, uh, as they started realizing the impact and the way it attracted not only uh, gang members, but consumers and press and everybody, 
everybody at the board level realized this was a huge differentiator, but also, you know, it's, uh, I, I always say that you have, if you're very lucky, you have this trajectory where you, you, you know, you become a professional. If you're really, really lucky, you discover your passion. But if you're even luckier than that, you can discover your purpose. And as that as an individual, but as a company or as a brand to be actually stumbling upon your purpose um, is just uh, a blessing. You know, it's just uh, uh, incredible to, 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 to actually, you know, be able to serve uh, something like that. So how did you solve for it? It raises a whole host of practical questions, I think, for any brand. Because <laughs> uh, you mentioned at some point you were up to half of your time was being spent on this, or mm. company time was being yep. spent on this. So how did you solve for that basic challenge? Did you decide, well, I, half the company should do this then? Uh, or did you find a way to organize, reorganize your way out of that challenge? Um, and then let, let's start there. Let's start with the logistics. I have a whole sure. bunch of other questions about the brand impact, but let's just start with how you organized yourself so that you could do this. So, so the, the question is fantastic because we, it was a, it was a huge challenge for us. So initially we started with, um, volunteers from within the company, but you know, volunteers, they, 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 they can have great impact, but it only goes so far because you need a structure. So then, uh, guess what? We we once again it sort of fell from above. Suddenly, we get uh, invited to participate in this um, in a big uh, competition worldwide that was called Beyond Sport, and this was based in England. And Beyond Sport, and anyway, we we won we won the number one prize, and in that prize, the the uh, the prize was actually quite amazing because not only they gave us money for the project. But the most valuable thing was they gave us um, basically a month and a half of free uh, consulting from Accenture. So they sent in two of their best consultants worldwide to help us um, document what we had done so far. So at this moment, I think we had we had uh, recruited, I think it had been for that moment, I think five gangs. So we had a lot of learning experience. You know, we had made mistakes. We had done some good stuff. And there, what we did is we documented it and, and built a a um, uh, a process. Basically, it's a book where you have a step by step process, not from the moment you recruit to the moment you know people leave the project. You know they basically graduate, and that takes more or less two years. And <clears throat> and also also all the financing and all the all the and then the profiles of people that you need. So what we did is we. With the money that we got from this prize, we set up the first um, the first full time team that was dedicated to Project Alcatraz, and that was a huge undertaking because um, identifying the right kind of people. You know, you you have to be able you know to recruit a gang means you got you when you you, you go into so recruiting a gang. Just to give you an idea, you walk into this very very dangerous slum where you can get either killed or kidnapped. Um, and in the worst, in the least, in the in the best case, robbed. So you have to go in. You have to engage with not only the killers but the gang leader, who is very distrusting. Uh, who they they believe in nobody's word, and then you have to basically inspire trust in that first conversation. If it goes well, um, then you might have a second conversation. If it goes badly, uh, you might you know wind up in a ditch. 
So, so the, it, it was, I have to say exhilarating, um, you know, recruiting a gang is the most exhilarating thing you can imagine because um, you go, you know, you've got this element of risk, but at the same time you have this, this um, battle of concepts, right? And, and it's a battle of values and, and it's, you know, making the right values win in that first conversation and having them understand long-term because the thing is they live short-term. And so recruiting the right people, the right team for transmitting that and not getting killed in the process uh, was, I would say, probably the biggest undertaking. And um, there's anyway, a job so description that, for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that doesn't usually come with your typical brand building uh, job description. No, it does not. No, it does not. And, you know, actually people because they might have the right skills, but they don't want to take the risk. Right. Um, but actually having the right skills and then going out and doing the risk and taking the risk, uh, it's uh, um, it's scary. It's scary, what, but uh, also exhilarating. What part of the company did this has this evolved into? I mean, how much of this is done internally? How much do you actually consider it a part of your your uh, branding discipline? Um, how much have you sort of spun it off into its separate group? I'm just curious about how, what impact this has had on your actual day to day operations. No, I, you know, Steve, I love the question because um, I think there are a lot of people that wouldn't understand, uh, especially in corporate, uh, uh, in the corporate world, um, what we do. So the first of all, the what we we decided to to take, I'd say, a bold move was this had to be core to the strategy. It couldn't be spun off. Not even five minutes can be spun off uh, into a third party or a foundation, or it has to be core. Um, just as important as producing the best rum in the world. Um, and that that uh, core-ness is basically, so today, the person who leads the international business is the person who Project Alcatraz reports to. Hmm. So um, that is, I mean, it's got, it's just as important. Developing the brand worldwide is just as important as developing Project Alcatraz in Venezuela. And that, that is um, understanding that took us a while because what corporate companies, corporate organizations tend to do is to spin it off to some, you know, um, corporate social responsibility, whatnot. Um, and, and it's never going to take, have the passion or the bandwidth or the time or the investment that it needs to really, really have impact and be successful. So for us, that has been paramount, and and of course, I've been a I've been a like say uh, a concept champion for that uh, with the board. Of course, we we have a a very I would say a very sturdy board that has pushed back, um, that has challenged us, but they've realized that in our core strategy, this is this is um, what can make us win. I, I wanted to bring you back to that board because you said that there was some skepticism there and that some of it was persuading them through just uh, results. Uh, so I'm curious, how did you measure impact? How did you know or what were the signs or the um, the flags that were telling you that this actually was a cause that was being identified with your brand and it was doing your brand good? That's right. Well, uh, our first, uh, of course, initially, our the market to to uh, to actually uh, convey the proof of truth was Venezuela. Uh, at the time, we were number three. Um, we were it was a very successful brand, but it was we were always fighting with number two and number one. 
um, you know, you know, trying to gain market. And what happened was that as soon as people heard the story, because we didn't come out telling the story, people sort of discovered the story of Alcatraz after they discovered the rum and the the triple aged and the you know and the and the the fact that we're we're, we're you know it's a a very um, uh, uh, you know has has the most prizes in the world. Not only not only you, you know after having done that, when they discovered the Project Alcatraz story, suddenly you had people that just became passionate about the brand. And the brand today is not only number one. It's number one in every single segment of the category, mm -hmm. in in luxury, super premium, premium, uh, standard, and and substandard in in all the segments of the category. Um, we are, and you know, we you know we we do um, a survey of brand love um, uh, twice a year, mm -hmm. and today in the whole category we are number one by far. I think uh, so. We've got eighty two points over hundred. In brand love, when you compare it to the number two, they're somewhere around the top 60s, you know, like 67, 68. Um, and that that is a huge uh, proof of truth where where the, you know, when you talk about uh, love marks, um, a love mark is a, a brand that, you know, you, you'll only get that love when when you're admired, when you're respected when you're you're you know loved as a brand and i think there uh the number one of course you have to be you have to have all the functional benefits but at the end you have to have a um an emotional benefit that that is very difficult for your competitors to to acquire and as you bring this message outside of venezuela where obviously yeah. most effectively and need to communicate it to audiences that are not as well acquainted with the situation that you that you were in with gang violence generally. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the media plan and proliferating that message outside of mm -hmm. the Venezuelan borders. I know you've released and I've seen a, a, a new video um, that does include some of these themes. But let's talk about the the overall project. Um, I know. Let, let's talk about the generation of the video and the decisions you made there. But also, what's the media plan in the U.S. especially about how you proliferate this? So I'll, I'll I'll give you um, uh, general concepts, and we'll then try to land on the more specific ones. And maybe Karuna can can help me on the on the real on the on the details. But what we wanted to do with this campaign, with this first um, commercial, was to introduce the brand to, to America in a moment where we believe it's time for rum, um, where where we um, where we uh, somehow. Uh, hold our uh, consumers or, or our audience um, what this brand is made up of and what are, you know, our functional differentiators. And I think number one is being triple-aged. Uh, number two, of course, is, is being the most uh, awarded uh, rum in the world today in, in terms of gold, gold, uh, gold medals. And then, of course, also, and this is once again functional because people tend to think that rum is very sweet. Mm -hmm. And they're not always wrong because there, there has been this tendency from some from leading brands to add a lot of sugar to, to, their, to their liquid. And Santa Teresa does not take those shortcuts. We don't believe in, in adding sugar to, to have the right profile. 
we believe in aging. And so we, we, we might actually even overdo that. And I don't want to say we overdo because I don't think you can ever overdo aging. We do, we have uh, three, three, uh, three different aging processes and this goes to the triple aged. So we, well, the first thing we do is we, we age um, our different types of rums. So we, we classify them in three types of rums. You've got the, 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 um, the the light rums, the heavy rums, and the what we call artisanal rums or the pastel rums, those of course have taste profiles that are totally different among each other. And you can actually, uh, you know, describe a fan of different uh, rums that go from very light to artisanal. Those, when you age them, you know, you take the same rum. Let's say you, you were to take a light rum and you were to age it two years or five years or fifteen years or twenty-five years. It's going to have a very different profile, and it's still we're still talking about the same alcohol that went in, into mm -hmm. that barrel. So, if you were to take so 1796 has about 30 different rums that are from these three types of alcohols that are aged for a different quantity of years that goes from five from four years, sorry, to 35 years, mm -hmm. and of course the taste profile we have there is just enormous. So then the blending that the all so that's that's your first aging. You blend those thir those 30 odd rums into what we call the relleno de solera or the solera refill. And that solera refill then enters the second stage of aging. So that second stage of aging, we have four different uh, rows of barrels. And those rows of barrels were filled for the first time in 1992. And what we do is that when the last row is ready, the bottom row, and that's why it's called solera because it's close to the floor, to the suelo, when those um, that row is ready for basically taking it to the third stage, you only empty half of the row, right? Half of half of each barrel in that whole row, mm -hmm. and that that then that row is then topped up from the barrels that are above, and that row is you know, topped up from the rows that are above that one. And and of course, the top one, when when that is emptied, is filled by the refill of the solera. And of course, that then that, that portion that you took out from the bottom row goes into the third stage, which is a vat aging process. And the, that, so the, the, so the first barrels, so in the first stage, those are um, American oak. Second stage is also American oak, but they're hogshead uh ex whiskey barrels and then the third stage are french limousin they're from the you know the wood these are big big casks that are close to between somewhere between 15 and 18000 liters per cask per per vat mm -hmm. and that but that is french limousin wood which is has a different profile to the us uh oak and of course there it gets finished off and that finishing is basically when you take the rum and and bottle it and uh, so, so we go through that very, very complex process. Um, so not to take any shortcuts mm -hmm. and, and be able to um, guarantee a, a dry, but at the same time balanced uh, rum, which is actually quite astonishing because it, you know, and, and, and so there we make that differentiation with other rums that take shortcuts and that add sugar or mm -hmm. flavors. And we don't do any of that. We, we're purists here. 
And what's the plan for getting that across? What you just described is a complicated process. It's very complicated in many ways from other rums that people are drinking. And yet you still need to make the point with your end consumer. This makes a difference. Exactly. Well, so the first the first thing was try to encapsulate it in Triple H in that concept of being a Triple H rum, mm-hmm. uh, because then people ask and then you can explain. So that's that's the first step. And then um, the media we went into was, of course, um, uh, Instagram and, and Facebook. Um, and I'm forgetting probably one. Karuna, if, if you want to step in, just uh, uh, don't doubt in, in, in reminding me. Uh, but anyway, going on to social media and with, with social media, basically getting, getting that communication piece out there. Um, I think in the, in, in the commercial that we did, did launch, we we make uh, I I would say the the feedback I got from consumers that had seen it and that had my my um, my contact that say that that they sort of understood really well even if they didn't understand the details of the Triple H mm-hmm. um, uh, and then um, of what what they wanted to know more of was Project Alcatraz if you remember at the end of the commercial mm-hmm. you have uh, you know the 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 piece on the outlaws and how they've become the best you know the best rum producers uh, and and some of them have become brand ambassadors and that part they everybody's um, uh, sort of like very curious at the end like but I need to know more about that uh-huh. and I think that is probably what we wanted to achieve in this first uh, in this first volley um, because. You know, we 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 want people first to understand the product, and then what's behind the product. And I think this was the perfect introduction uh, into uh, you know getting getting people, and especially if if you have that um, curiosity at the end of the commercial, where you have people sort of saying, "But I want to know more about this." Well, that might give us a segue in the future to be able to talk a bit, a bit more about what's behind behind the product. Well, that's so, and I think I think it it certainly caught my interest in watching the ad, and I and I think that you're you're absolutely right. Is that it was one of those rare cases where the cause that's attached to a brand actually becomes the centerpiece of the interest. That's the thing you want to know most about. Exactly. This ad, and I think that's a very effective way to structure it. Um, and and in part, it's because the the nature of the cause itself. I think. As soon as you start mentioning reformed reformed gang members, you pick peak everybody's interest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that, Steve. Uh, yeah. I uh, I agree, and I think uh, you know just the the fact that we can celebrate um, transformation, and I think that is, and I think that will probably be uh, uh, how we'll be angling the next um, the next way we come out and 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 talk about the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's that, and of course we've we've also got to nail down the concepts, behind, but behind the complexity of the production process. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, finally having come out with the Triple H Solera, because you know there are lots of brands that talk about Solera, that when you try to find out when you go to their their um, facilities and you say, oh, can we see the Solera? They don't want to show you the Solera. Mm-hmm. So of course that that makes lots of people suspicious. Um, what, so what we have wanted to do is to open up our solera process and how that solera process is actually a triple H process where you have that you know complex you have the 
the traditional aging, then you have the solera barrels, and then you have the solera vats. And that is then assembled together um, and, and brings out that balance and that, uh, at the same time, dryness and smoothness, which I think very few brands can actually um, compare to. Well, I think uh, the other part is just as complicated as how do you get marketers to go into a into a neighborhood infested with gangs and actually come out alive and get them on your side. <laughs> That's at least as complex a process that is as intriguing from this oh, absolutely. the other piece. And I think you guys are going to have your work cut out for you explaining both. <laughs> <laughs> they're both Absolutely. they're equal they're both equally fascinating no you know um you know uh i remember the first few gangs when we did go out there it was very very dangerous but then then little by little as word spread and we got sort of more famous i remember one one gang we went into uh recruit one gang and uh and so of course their their leader was extremely skeptical and very untrusting and so one of his Sorry to say this, but one of his top killers um, starts interrogating me, like from from the side, and sort of like, and he starts saying, "Do you ride motorcycles?" I said, "Yeah, I do." Is your motorcycle orange? Yes. What's the cylinder? So I say cylinder, and and uh, and then um, then he's so anyway he's making asking these questions, and finally it's sort of he says, "Yeah, there's the guy. We're cool." And suddenly just everything. So you know, sort of like uh, when. Uh, when the reputation started coming behind, you know, backing us up, mm -hmm. um, then I don't want to say it got easy, but it got a lot easier, uh, a lot less, less dangerous. And we've had some amazing stories of that type. Well, uh, Alberto Vollmer, this is a fascinating story. Absolutely <laughs> engaging. Uh, I think you've got a lot of material to tell stories out of, both about the creation of rum, but also this project of uh, performing gang members. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing at least a piece of it today. I hope we'll get, we'll get to come back and see how this evolves, both in the U.S. market, but then also as a cause. I, I really look forward to it, Steve. And just, just to, so you know, we've been asked into a, into the first two jails in Spain, and and we're working on one in the states. It's a different philosophy of how to treat treat criminals. Basically, mm -hmm. when they come out, so they can be actually positive members of society instead of just, you know, being uh, excluded from society. Because that's that that solution. I think we're we're it's still from the 19th century. You know, I think we've got to move on. Alberto, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Steve, for your time. Thank you for the opportunity. Look forward to meeting you one day in person. Thanks for hitting play on Media Post's Brand Insider Podcast. We're here each week interviewing marketing executives from large and small, legacy and emerging brands. They share their experiences navigating the challenges of commercial clutter, media distraction, and consumer disinterest. You can also subscribe to the Brand Insider newsletter for edited text editions of these Q&As. For this and all of the marketing and media news reporting MediaPost has provided the industry for two decades, head over to MediaPost.com. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions for Brand Insider, you can always reach me, Steve Smith, at Steve at MediaPost.com. Until next week, let's market carefully out there. <laughs>